into the arms of Davis. And the superior team all season long was the superior team tonight. And the Kentucky coronation is complete. Champions 2012. Benny Snell needs five yards to break Sonny Collins' career rushing record. They give it to Benny. Straight ahead. Ten. Five. Touchdown. And a rushing record for Benny Snell Jr. of Kentucky. The All Out Kentucky Podcast. Welcome in to the All Out Kentucky Podcast. Your home for the Kentucky Wildcats basketball and football program. I am your host, AJ Bradley, and I am joined, as always, by my brother and co-host, Sam Bradley. On today's episode, we will recap the win over Tennessee, preview the Cats' second matchup of the season as they travel to Gainesville to take on the Florida Gators. We will also unveil our latest edition of our SEC basketball power rankings, And lastly, we will give out our AOK college basketball picks for the week. What a difference a week makes, my friends. It was just about eight days ago the college basketball world had elected to throw the Wildcats in the trash and declare their season as finished. But after back-to-back quad one wins, Kentucky now finds themselves right back in the thick of things as they enter the final stretch of the regular season. We start today with the second victory of the season over a top 10 ranked Tennessee Volunteers team by a final score of 66 to 54. We saw the Wildcats race race out to a big lead and put the Vols in an extremely tough position, finding themselves down by 20 points at halftime. UT was able to go on a run to start the second half, but were never able to get closer than eight points and left Lexington with an 0-2 record against Kentucky. Sam, Kentucky was a three-point home underdog against Tennessee and clearly exceeded Ozmaker's expectations with their 12-point victory. But but what I want to know is how Kentucky performed relative to your expectations in this crucial matchup and also Can you let the people know what it was like inside of Rupp Arena on Saturday? Because it looked like an absolute madhouse on TV. Yeah, man. Thanks for bringing us in there. It's it's crazy what a week can do in college basketball, AJ. You know, to think back eight days ago in the Kentucky Wildcats, were not only on the outside looking in, they were officially out of what was going to be the NCAA tournament. Now we fast forward after a week of play, the Kentucky Wildcats pick up two quad one wins. And we also additionally pick up two more quad wins, quad one wins from previous opponents, AJ. So boy, what a difference it makes. We now sit with four quad one wins, AJ. And we're back in not only off or back in uh, as the force forward, we're off the bubble, AJ, and we're feeling confident. However, We are still in a predicament where you have to take care of business. We have four games remaining, AJ, three of which are quad one opportunities, one of which is a quad two opportunity. You take care of business, and it's really going to dictate what the expectations are running into the SEC tournament. The better we can place ourselves, the more you give yourself an opportunity to maybe slip up heading in 
to a stretch of games in the NCAA tournament where you got to win six straight to cut down the nets. So absolutely exciting. We are still writing our destiny, and don't switch up now. I saw a ton of people in Rupp Arena, AJ, wearing those exact shirts, and it was quite awesome. I mean, I can obviously speak, speak to the atmosphere, but it was incredible. Rupp Arena was rocking, and for once, AJ, by the time of tip-off, it felt like every seat was filled. No one was messing around. Everyone was there early, and they were rocking their socks off. It was a awesome game to be at. I almost missed it, believe it or not. I know I told you, but I got to tell the listeners about an hour before game time, I go pick up my girlfriend, AJ, and she has misplaced the tickets. So in a absolute last-ditch effort, after not being able to find the tickets, AJ, I go online, I go to game time, I buy some last-second tickets for the both of us, and we get into Rupp Arena, no joke, maybe five, ten minutes before tip-off. So we made it happen. I, uh, I will have to say, AJ, we got home, and she did, in fact, find the tickets. So that was an absolute dagger to me in my wallet because I bought very unnecessary tickets, but that is okay because I told myself and I told her this was a game I refused to miss. And it didn't disappoint, AJ. It was absolutely worth all my money, and that atmosphere was totally one of a kind. Rupp Arena really stepped up and created that home atmosphere that we desperately needed to be able to hurl ourselves over this, let's be honest, AJ, top 10 Tennessee Vols team. And I mean, you can say what you want. If they didn't look like a top 10 team against us, it was because of what we were able to accomplish on that court on Saturday, AJ. And we can dive into what separated us. But realistically, we came out, we were the aggressors, AJ. We threw the first punch. And that was a game where the Kentucky Wildcats never gave up a deficit, AJ, and were fighting from behind for the entirety of the game, other than it was tied 0 0. That dictated the game, AJ. We threw the first punch and we didn't stop throwing haymakers. And we dictated the physicality and the style of play, which bode well for us. I mean, we talked about the keys to victory, AJ, and realistically, it was very similar to the Mississippi State game, but it was. I had it as two things, but I kind of threw in a third. It was defense, specifically starting in the paint, AJ, and working our way out. Still obviously having an emphasis of letting no one like Viscovi or Ziegler get free from the three-point line and letting them catch themselves hot, which I thought we actually did a phenomenal job, AJ. And we, we look at the finishing line, AJ, points in the paint battle. I said we probably weren't going to win it because, look, that's just not our style of play. But we had to keep that margin very small. AJ, points in the paint battle, 32 Tennessee, Kentucky Wildcats, 26. That's what I'm talking about, okay? That is exactly what I'm talking about. But it, w- it really was off the effort of that first half, AJ. Points in the paint from that first half, 12-12. to 12. And even on the game, we let Plastic finish with what, AJ? Two points, three rebounds? Th- that dictated the style of play. And we, we enforced our physicality, and we limited the paint touches, especially for Plastic down low. When he was getting the AJ, was inopportune opportunities. It was even lower than the basket at points. If they were going to let him get low, they were going to force him almost all the way to the out-of-bounds line. But going into half, up 39-19 AJ, 
Tennessee was shooting at the time 26% on the game from the field. I'm telling you, in a hostile environment, having 19 points at half and shooting 26% from the field, rarely are you going to be able to find yourself getting the victory unless you're making just effort plays and you're holding your opponent to a similar score. Thankfully, AJ, we almost put 40 points up in the first half, AJ, and it really was off of an effort of our toughness. We rebounded the ball in a phenomenal fashion, and obviously that was our second point. Rebound like your life depended on it, and for the second straight game, AJ, it was not just Oscar Shibway. It was an entire team effort. It was a mentality, and it realistically was sparked by our guy, Chris Livingston. I mean, I could not believe what I was watching. And I'm sitting there, AJ, with all of Big Blue Nation and my girlfriend and everyone sitting there and everyone knew. She even said, he will not lose. And that's exactly what Cal was talking about, AJ. It was this refuse-to-lose mentality where you could, you could feel his energy. He's saying, I am not going to lose this game. I'm going to do everything humanly possible to grab every rebound I can. He comes down with a double-double, AJ, out-rebounds Oscar Sheway, got up for a couple of those rebounds where I thought he had springs for legs. It was incredible to see his tenacity, his energy, and his heart on full display for Big Blue Nation. And he was very well applauded because of his efforts. And then the last kind of thing that I had pitched out is obviously with most likely what ended up happening in Severe Wheeler not playing and C.J. Frederick being sidelined to injuries. We knew that someone had to step up offensively and carry that burden. Thankfully, it was a offensive effort that was well distributed through the entirety of the roster. However, I will say, Kaysom Wallace, I pleaded that he needed to take some of that burden. I was worried about how many minutes he was going to have to play, AJ, but he was able to work through it. He finishes with 16 points, AJ, on 39 minutes. He basically plays the entirety of the game, but he he refused to be stopped. He used his physicality, and he was able to create shots despite some very intense guard play like you were speaking to in our preview, AJ. I mean, it was massive what he was able to do and find shots even when they weren't there. 16 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, AJ. He did have 3 turnovers, but given the productivity he gave us and the amount that he was on the court, I'm absolutely happy with that performance. And of course, Oscar Shibway wins the battle down low, AJ. And I know he was maybe be called his baby daddy by Plafsic, but that's hilarious because he goes, AJ, for 16-7, and seven, and he shoots 10 for 11 from the free-throw line, a bright spot, and the Kentucky Wildcats struggles from the line. But that was something that we previewed, AJ. We said we need to win that battle at the free-throw line, and boy, do we ever. We go for 35 attempts, knocking down 23 of them, only 66%, so don't get me wrong. That's the blemish of this game. That's what we have to continue to focus on. And I'm not too concerned, AJ, because we have showed that we have worked out of those struggles from the free throw line. However, this game could have been it could have been over far before it was over in that second half, AJ. Realistically, free throws were what able was able to extend the game, but we could have really put ourselves in the driver's seat the entirety of the second half. It felt like at times Tennessee was clawing their way back in, but the Cats shut the door. They could have really slammed the door on the Tennessee Vols' face if 
they were able to knock down some free throws. Thankfully, AJ, they desperately needed free throws to go down, and they couldn't buy one. They finished 4 for 14, AJ, so that was a pitiful performance from the free throw line. But all in all, terrific effort from the Kentucky Wildcats. And in my honest opinion, if you're going to boil it down to one thing, it was our defense, AJ. The energy that we played with, and we finished every possession by fighting for that rebound. There was a few times we missed them, and even the guys like Jacob Top and AJ at one point missed a, a pretty easy rebound. He falls out of bounds. He holds his head. But he fought back, and I'm proud of that. And he even actually, I don't know if you saw this or noticed it, he pulled himself out of the game, AJ. And that's that's what I love to see because at this point, John Calipari always pleads to his teams, you cannot be dragging the coaching staff anymore. You have to be a player-led team, and that's exactly what Jacob Toppin was putting on display. That's leadership, and he's showing, hey, I couldn't grab that one. Maybe I need to come out. Maybe I'm tired. Maybe my mental isn't there because that's a rebound I need to have. Pulls himself out, gives some other guys some minutes. But everyone that stepped on the court, AJ, really contributed in a high fashion. Whether it showed up on the stat sheet or not, nobody came in flat-footed. Nobody looked like the lights were too bright for their moment. And I'm extremely proud of everyone that was able to get in in the game. And all in all, AJ, like we said, it must win a quad one opportunity and the Kentucky Wildcats realistically had a half in the first half where I'm sure John Calipari was sitting in the halftime saying, I'm probably the only one in this crowd that wishes this game was over because Tennessee is going to come out swinging. And they did. And Viscovi was able to get hot, but credit to John Calipari and these Kentucky Wildcats, because every time they maybe went on a little run, they had the answer they stopped the bleeding, and they got the crowd re-engaged and made sure that no one was snoozing off thinking that this is a runaway game. So credit to everything that the Kentucky Wildcats did, but we got to continue to build. But for you, AJ, I do have a unique question for you. Do you think this is one of the Kentucky Wildcats' best wins on the season, and where do you rank it in the dominance and the fashion that we were able to take down Tennessee at home, does it compare to the road victory or is it even better considering it, it was a game that Tennessee never had a chance. Yeah, Sam, that's, that's interesting. I think it's always um, more difficult to go and win on the road. I think that's been established through the years. You know, it's, it's not easy to go on the road, especially when you're a team like Kentucky and the other team you know, their fans kind of circle that game and, and get up for it all the time. So to be able to go in there and, and what we did against Tennessee a couple um, weeks ago, especially at that time when we were kind of reeling, I mean, both, I think we had a better game before this time to prepare for Tennessee instead of last time where, you know, we're kind of down in the dumps, but um, just as impressive to win at home, um, in, in the style, in the fashion that they did it. Um, you know, Sam, like you said, that's a wire-to-wire victory against a top-10 team, and regardless of whether it's on the road or at home, um, especially when you've already beat that team once and you know they'd like to to get one on you um, and to kind of shut them out like that, I just thought was, was tremendous. And uh, what I'd like to do, Sam, is just go through kind of a few 
notes of mine from the first half, second half, and then kind of my overall thoughts of the game, um, both positive and negative. But before I start, what I will preface all of this with is let's just be clear about one thing before I start talking. There were a lot more positives than there were negatives in this basketball game. Okay. That's, that's undisputable. So when we go and we look at this game, Sam, I mean, both teams started extremely cold in the first half, one of seven for Kentucky, one of nine for Tennessee, and no team could really claw their way out to any sort of lead there at the beginning of the game. And um, what I like what Kentucky did is that's the best half of, of defensive basketball they've played all season, Sam. I mean, con- forcing Tennessee into contested shots, not only at the rim, but from beyond the arc. I mean, we talked about last game how Tennessee had a lot of missed bunnies around the, the, the rim, and they kind of did again this game, Sam. And, you know, I, I don't think two games is a fluke. That's That's what happens when you're present and you affect shots. You don't always have to block them, but being able to affect those. And we did that in the first half. We forced them to shoot a lot of threes, something they're not super comfortable with. And that was because they couldn't find baskets inside. They had to start going farther and farther away. So in the first half, Sam, we only allowed 19 points. I mean, that's that's you can't get much better than that. Tennessee shot 28% from the field, only one three-pointer from Zakai Ziegler there at the end of the, the first half. But that was the only one they hit. And Let's look at this first half real quick, Sam. At the under 12 timeout, it was 12 to 6. So after the first 8-9 minutes, it's 12 to 6. We go to the under 8 timeout, it's now 19 to 10. So we've separated a little bit, but it's nothing, you know, crazy. 9 points, okay. Nobody really scored there for a couple minutes, Sam. With 6 minutes left in the first half, it was still 19 to 10. Kentucky then goes on a 20 to 9 run to close out the first half. And really what sparked it was Jacob Toppin found Oscar Shibway in the lane for a monstrous and one dunk and it really got the Cats going Sam and yep. that's what propelled them into this 20 point halftime lead and we can talk about the free throw shooting but in the first half 12 of 13 from the line from the Kentucky Wildcats so until halftime they right. were absolute money from the line, and they won the offensive rebounding battle and the second tr- ch- second chance points battle ten to two in the first half. So, about as good as a, a half of basketball as you can as you can possibly play. When we moved to the second half, Sam really kind of allowed Tennessee to get going, and what happened was Viscovi hit a couple deep shots, and then we started overplaying the three and they were able to take advantage of us and start to get to the basket. And that's really when they started to pile up a lot of those points in the paint. The one thing I will say, every time that they had a run in the second half, we made plays to not let it get tight and not let it get too close. Chris Livingston, Jacob Toppin, Oscar Sheebway, Kaysen Wallace, and Antonio Reeves all had big baskets in the second half to never let Tennessee get within eight points. And, you know, you can say we struggled in the second half, sure, but you knew they were going to make a run, and they gave us everything they could, and they came out and they threw multiple punches, Sam, and we weathered it, and we were the ones standing at the end. So we'll go to my overall game thoughts. We'll start with the positives. First off, Kentucky 
is doing a much better job of this. And let's talk about Jacob Toppin specifically, but he is doing such a good job of cutting to the basket without the ball right now. When we get trapped and when guys have to pick up their dribble, he is aggressively back cutting to the basket and he is starting to get a lot of easy baskets, dunks, layups just by being active on the offensive end. Listen, Kentucky executed their scouting report of Tennessee at, to absolute perfection. They didn't allow certain guys to get going. They they packed it in in the paint at times. We forced their non-three-point shooters to chuck up threes. And we really did everything that we wanted to from a scouting uh, report perspective in this game. That's the most active defensively I've seen UK all season. And I'm talking active. A lot of tip passes, getting in the passing lanes, a bunch of effort. Sam, Chris Livingston out-rebounded Oscar Shibuya in this game. I think it just shows you the sheer effort that this guy's giving to go along with that insanely athletic build that he has mm-hmm. and, and putting it all on display now. Listen, no Kaysen Wallace was an animal, okay? The defense, the rebounding, and running the offense, playing 39 minutes, only turning the ball over three times. I mean, he was dynamite in this game. Yep. Made Zakai Ziegler work his ass off on defense, and he couldn't defend without fouling. He ends up sitting a large portion of this basketball game due to foul trouble, which really affected the Tennessee Volunteers. No doubt about that. They We only shot eight three-pointers in this game, Sam. Only made three of them, and it didn't yeah. matter. We were able to get what we wanted outside of the three-point shot and really take advantage of, of the mismatches that we had in attacking the basket really relentlessly in this game and forcing – Tennessee to, to continue to backpedal, which was great. Um, 35 free throws in the game, which is phenomenal. Um, it's, it's a shame that we missed some down the stretch of the second uh, half there, but you know what? That can be cleaned up when we've shot free throws well now for an extended period of time really well. So let's, let's just mention one thing. They may miss a lot of free throws too, like you said, Sam, and I think that really just was due to the physical nature of this basketball game guys are tired at the line not completely 100% focused there in that second half and you saw both teams go to the line and struggle luckily we had some guys at the end to make some and enough of them to not let that game get close yeah and I'll say even being in attendance you could just tell that second half never really had a full rhythm like the first half did it just felt like a lot of the guys, like you said, had some fatigue, but also weren't able to get into an offensive rhythm to where you step up to that line and you're confident because you've already been seeing the basketball go through the hoop. So I, I will say maybe that was just because I was in person, but it felt like there just wasn't a a rhythm to that second half, yeah. which boded well for the Kentucky Wildcats because although, like you said, Vescovi was able to get hot, it really never translated to the rest of the team because there were so many whistles or so many stops and play and majority of the time was spent at the free throw line. So I'm disappointed that we missed so many, but I realistically think you're exactly right. That's why Tennessee was also struggling from the line in that second half. Yeah, Sam, absolutely. It's a, it's a physical game and that's what happens when you're getting beat up all game. You go to the line and and you can't focus as much or your body's just a, a little crickety there and slightly goes off but a lot of positives to take away from this game the only negative things that um i'll point out is i just thought we let up a a little bit too many offensive rebounds in the second half by tennessee really just needed to sure that up just a little bit and and continue to focus on that as the game goes along Um, because if the game's closer sam that could that could have cost us with some with some second opportunities there for tennessee um i think 
you know, Sam, it, it's been a drastic change. Oscar Shibway is now catching the ball at the high post almost exclusively. I mean, maybe a couple times they threw it to him down in the post. I'd still like to see him get the ball down in the post just a little bit more. Um, the low post and the high post kind of switch it up on him a little bit. But um, you know what? He goes for 16. He has a good game, and I, I'm, I'm not going to complain too much about that. Still would like to see the Kentucky Wildcats um, not foul as much. Mm-hmm. Still feel like we're fouling a little bit too much. Antonio Reeves get it, gets into foul trouble in this game. Luckily, nobody else did. Um, Oscar was able to to keep it down for the most part um, until the end. But he, they've got to be careful, man. We can't afford to be having one of our big players go out in a big-time game down the stretch of the season with foul trouble. Those are the only negative things, Sam. The only thing I forgot to say about the positives, and this is something I wanted to point out after re-watching the tape again, but and John Calipari made a, a little remark about this after the game, but something you may have noticed in the game is he's starting to post up Case and Wallace on the low block, okay? And just watch out because I think that he's a guy with with his size and physicality being able to take advantage of smaller guards. Just watch us um, getting our guards involved in the low post game. I think that's a nice little wrinkle that they are going to mm-hmm. start working in a little bit more and more, Sam. But um, overall... Yep. You can't complain. It's a quad one victory over our hated Tennessee rival, and onwards and upwards we move on. And that's uh, a sweep. That is a sweep, sweep. my friends. We'll transition, Sam. We'll move on um, as that Tennessee game is now in the rearview mirror. And folks, it is that time of year where you start to play teams for a second time, and that is exactly. What we will see on Wednesday when the Kentucky Wildcats travel down to Gainesville to take on the Florida Gators. The last time these teams met, both were on the bubble, and it was Kentucky that won the game and has found a new lease on their season while the Gators have lost four or five games since their trip to Lexington. At this point, Florida will be trying to play spoiler as they look to derail UK's season as much as they can in one game. Even though the Gators will be on their home court for this matchup, the degree of difficulty will be higher as they have recently lost their best player in Colin Castleton to a broken hand injury that has kept him out the past two games and will sideline him for the rest of the season. When we look back at the last meeting with the Cats, Castleton scored 25 points and was the main focus of the offensive and defensive game plan. Obviously, that will be different this game. Kentucky wasn't able to attack the basket as hard due to Castleton's shot-blocking ability, and they really thrived in the mid-range game with Kaysen Wallace and Jacob Toppin, while Antonio Reeves and Oscar Shibway struggled, only combining for eight points. With the way Florida's roster is now, Kentucky should be able to attack the basket more like they have in recent games, and despite the tough defense the Gators play, UK should have success on offense. So it is looking again like this is a game that Kentucky will need to lock down on the defensive end. Sam, what does Kentucky have to do defensively in this matchup to sweep the Gators, and what kind of mindset should the Cats take into Gainesville? Yeah, I mean, I'm really glad how you ended that question, AJ, because I think what we found out in this last week or so and honestly, throughout the last month of play about these Kentucky Wildcats, AJs, some of our best play has come from when our backs are 
legitimately up against the wall, AJ. And, and we've been put in a couple of scenarios now where we have no choice. And, and even the players have recognized that. I mean, I've listened to Chris Livingston's post-game interview the last two games against Mississippi State and against Tennessee, and he's recognized that. And he said, we're a different team now that we recognize that there is no room for error. The one thing that I have to bring up for all of us to, to at least consider here is we cannot allow this game to feel too comfortable. We're going to walk into a very hostile environment, AJ, where they are desperate for a win. I know that they're missing their best player in Colin Castleton, who finished last game against us, AJ, and Rupp Arena with 25 points and eight rebounds, and he absolutely got whatever he wanted at will against Oscar Shibway and company. So it's, it's, it's easy to sit here and say, well, Castleton's out. This is a team that we beat the first time by five. There's no reason we don't walk into their barn and we walk into their trap and get a win, AJ. But I, I cannot stress this enough. We are not in a position of power here. We have to walk in with the same tenacity, with the same mindset that, guys, our backs are still against the wall. This is a critical win, AJ. You cannot afford to not grab another quad one victory, which this will be as Florida is a top 75 opponent, which is within rights on the road for grabbing a victory, AJ. So we have to take care of business here. I'm glad you brought up, brought up some of the aspects of how last game played out. I mean, realistically, AJ, Oscar Shibway was a no-show offensively. He really struggled against Castleton. And... Reeves kind of had those struggles defensively and he had a few lapses and John Calipari said, Nope, you're done for the night. Luckily we really had some productivity step up and Jacob Toppin. He was able to find some rhythm offensively in that mid range game, AJ, but actually looking back at the numbers points in the paint battle, we actually won 36 to 32. And the large part of why we were able to accomplish that AJ is our offense did not grow stagnant. A lot of what you were talking about with this Tennessee matchup of Jacob Toppin's aggressiveness without the ball and attacking the basket without the ball was why we were able to win that battle, AJ. We drew a lot of attention in Castleton towards Shibway, which opened up opportunities for him not to have time to, to help defense on the opposite side of the cutting basket. So realistically that's exactly what we have to continue to do i'm really glad you brought up the wrinkle of what we've been able to do with case and wallace and posting him aj because not only him but chris livingston are both extremely physical and extremely strong for their positions and if you get opportunities to post them up against their respective defender i'm telling you i will take that all night long aj because we are finding ways to put Oscar closer to the perimeter, which draws his defender and that tall trees out from under the basket for once and post some of these guys that we can trust in these physicality type of matchups. So I love those wrinkles that we've been able to find AJ. I really challenge Kentucky to continue to do that against, let's be honest, another phenomenal and stellar defense, a top 25 defense in the entire country, AJ. So aside from that, it really does. You're, you're totally right. It comes down to our defensive effort yet again. And I, I'm going to keep harping on this, AJ, because you do not want to get away from what's winning you basketball games against quality opponents. And that's been our defense, AJ. We cannot shy away from it. One thing that I wanted to note from last matchup that we did an extremely fine job of 
was our transition defense. And I mentioned again against Tennessee in that matchup that it was going to be critical. Yet again, AJ, we check that box off and we do a great job of limiting their points in transition. Their fast break points, AJ, against Tennessee was two, a whopping two. The fast break points last time we played Florida, a whopping zero, AJ. And I'm telling you, those are critical margins when you find yourself against an opponent that you are trying to lock down defensively. Don't let them get the confidence of running down and getting easy layups, easy dunks. That bodes well for any player in college basketball to extend their game in the half-court offense, AJ. We have to make sure we are getting back in transition and not allowing easy baskets. The next thing I'll say, AJ, is traditionally, this is a team where you really have to pack the paint. I know that they are going to find unique ways to get some of the guys' touches and really cut harder now that Castleton isn't clogging that lane. I'm still saying you have to defend hard without fouling and clog that paint, AJ. It's something that we have really showed leaps and bounds these last couple of games, and we have to continue that effort. One thing that I will say that I really enjoyed watching is our ability to make Tennessee's guards struggle to get the ball in those high ball screens and get straight downhill. Kaysen Wallace does a phenomenal job, AJ, of making those guards take a less sharp angle towards the basket and towards the rim, which really makes it difficult to penetrate the paint. You continue to do that, I'm telling you, that's going to be a great recipe for a victory down in Gainesville, which is going to be locked and loaded for this matchup, AJ. They hate us, and everyone wants a piece of the Kentucky Wildcats. We have to be ready for that challenge. And I, I will say this is going to be much more of a rock fight than maybe what people are expecting. We're going to have to take blows. They are going to be locked in. And they know that if you can go out there and try to out-rebound Kentucky, at the end of the night, AJ, you could be sitting there with a W. Do not allow that opportunity. Go out there and physically impose your will, especially defensively, and limit their offensive boards. Last time they finished with just under 10 boards offensively, that 8 AJ to R13, continue to win that battle. You've got to win that battle. Come down with your boards, be secure with the ball, don't worry about getting out in fast break opportunities necessarily. We don't need this to be a track meet. Fast break points last time, like I said, AJ, was 0 to R14. We're going to have opportunities to get out and run. But make sure you do the most important thing in that transition, which is grabbing the rebound. All in all, I'm really looking for us to step up, keep our ball pressure up. I'm really liking what I'm seeing the last couple of games, AJ. Everyone is locked in defensively, and we're building confidence from the defensive side of the ball, AJ. We're not finding our confidence offensively. We are finding it defensively, and that is translating our game to both sides of the basketball. Continue to do that, and I know that we are going to find ourselves game in and game out in a good opportunity to win basketball games, which is what we desperately need to continue to do, AJ. But for you, given that we also could very well be missing critical pieces yeah. to our puzzle, not only Florida, what do you think the Kentucky Wildcats have to do to ensure that they walk out of Gainesville with yet another quad one victory? Yeah, Sam, I'm going to keep this short and sweet, okay? there's For me, there's there's four keys to victory. One, 
You win the rebounding battle by 10 plus. That's offensively and defensively combined by 10 plus. Two, you need to match their intensity. And then once you match their intensity, you need to raise it. Number three, hold the Gators to under 40% from the field and under 30% from three. And number four, limit your fouls. If you do all four of those things, this team does not have enough offensively to beat you. You lock in on the defensive end. The defense takes care of the offense. If you can do those four things, the rebounding, the intensity, the defensive pressure and holding them to lower percentages and then limit the fouling. The recipe for an upset like this, Sam, is when a team starts getting hot from three and they start getting really confident in front of their home crowd and then shots start falling and then you start fouling and then they're, you know the confidence builds. So no, you can't let this team in the crowd get into it. Match the intensity and raise it. Do those other things. That's all I got. That's all I got, my friend. I'm going to throw it back to you. We got two things left to do on the podcast tonight, my friend. Let's start with our basketball picks for the week sam why don't you update us on the standings from last week and then we'll get into our picks for this week yeah man it was a another fun week as uh realistically aj you continue to find ways to grab victories and you stay hot aj i mean realistically I don't know if you're going to have an off week from here on out, which is extremely impressive. It feels like you have got a firm grasp on the college landscape of basketball, AJ. Do you think that this has got to be maybe the best February you've had? Or do do you know that you've been able to do this prior? Oh, I mean, this is normally the point in the basketball season I really start to to see things pretty clearly in conference play. I mean, you get a really good feel watching these teams play every single night. And so I'd have to say, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm doing pretty well this February. Um, been able to hit a lot of bets, been able to make some money this February. So, you know, we're, we're doing well right now. I'll probably, um, I'll probably shut it down come March to be completely honest <laughs> with you. It, the, the tournament is such a crapshoot. I'm not trying to pick, spreads and things like that i'll probably take a few underdogs and and call it a day and and fair enough and do that but you know what we'll we'll keep the train rolling until the end of the regular season in the conference tournament sam and uh we'll keep For pressing sure. forward and you know when your hand's hot you keep riding it you don't you don't stop so well if you guys haven't hopped on board yet then i absolutely implore you to follow aj and grab some of these picks because he finally missed his first game in three weeks aj you go three for four the only miss was creighton at providence as creighton was favored by one and a half Freaking it goes lost to double over, overtime, know, uh... and you barely miss it aj so one little blemish in the last three weeks you grab victories as marquette takes care of the five and a half point spread versus xavier you have kansas state take care of business against iowa state as a three and a half point favorite at home and then you obviously grab kentucky as an underdog at home over tennessee aj's record is currently 24 for 32 he's on fire ladies and gentlemen with a whopping 57 points i myself aj stay consistent with the average 
that I have been able to do the entirety of the year. I go 500 this past week, AJ. I grab a nice four-point victory as Kentucky is an underdog on the road against Mississippi State, which grabbed me four points there. I miss Alabama at Tennessee. You got to hand it to the Tennessee Bulls. They took care of business at home, and it just goes to show it's tough to win on the road. I don't care who you are. TCU goes on the road against Iowa State. They get bounced around, AJ, not even close. And then I do get right with the Indiana Hoosiers taking care of Illinois as a a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I move, AJ, to 17 for 32 with 41 points. You're sitting pretty comfortably with just a few games to go in the regular season. But we will press on, AJ. I will pass it back to you. Give me your first two picks of the week. Yeah, Sam, and um, just real quick comment. Um, should have just waited one game on TCU. That was Mike Miles' last game sitting out with his injury, and then he comes back and just puts on a show. Goes so, nuclear. Yeah, it's it's tough. They, it, they've they've struggled without him. I mean, he's a premier scorer and player in, in college basketball, and so he does make a world of difference for that team. But um, two of four. I got a good feeling you're going to have a good week this week. But, um, Sam, we're going to start um, with the Tuesday matchup, and, and we're going to stick in the SEC with what we know. And we, we got a, a prime time matchup. I mean, when you look at this Tennessee Volunteers team, Sam, you talked about it. They play Alabama. They go on the road and play Kentucky. And Tuesday night, they got to go on the road, and it does not get any easier when they travel to College Station to take on the Texas A&M Aggies. And – I have to take Texas A&M in this game, Sam. You just you have to love the way this team is playing right now. I think their three guards are just a little bit too much for Tennessee on the road. Dexter Dennis, Boots Radford, and Wade Taylor are playing so well right now, complementing each other, and they have the bigs to match up with Tennessee as well. Julius Marble and Coleman down low. I, just, I love what this team is doing. I love Buzz Williams as a coach. They learned from their experience last year and going on a, a bad losing streak in SEC play and how that cost them in the tournament. They couldn't get in. Well, they're proving to everybody why they are going to get into the tournament this year and why they are a dangerous team in the tournament this year. So give me the Texas A&M Aggies on Tuesday night. My next matchup, I'm going to stay um, in the weekday, but I'm going to go to a different conference. We're going to check out the Big Ten. Maybe a team that a lot of people haven't watched play this year, Sam, but the Northwestern Wildcats travel on the road. They go to Champaign in an in-state rivalry with the Illinois Fighting Illini. You know that crowd will be rocking. But listen, I'm going to take the road team. I'm going to take Northwestern. A five-game winning streak right now for this team. They are one of the most physically imposing teams in the country. They can just absolutely beat you up. And they have a guard on their team in Boo Booey, who is playing like an All-American right now. I just think they're they're very physical and tough, and I think that's the recipe to get things done on the road. So I like Northwestern in a very hard-fought game to go on the road, continue their win streak and beat the Fighting Illini. So those are my first two picks, Sam. Where are you looking to grab your first two picks this week? Yeah, AJ, I'll start on the first half of the week, if you will. My first pick is going to be Miami. Is 
hitting the road, and they are taking on Virginia Tech AJ. It's going to be a great top 25 matchup. And I will say, i, I got to take Miami on the road. They have a guard in Isaiah Wong, AJ, who has been playing some elite basketball. He can break you down from all three levels offensively. He can take you out to the perimeter, can knock down a jump shot off the dribble, and he can really attack the paint. I love what he's doing for this Miami Hurricanes team, and I have full confidence that they are going to be able to go on the road and pick up a victory as an underdog. As of right now, AJ, for that tomorrow matchup, I see him as a two, two and a half point underdog. So give Miami on the road, and then I will also take another road team as the Kentucky Wildcats find themselves down in Gainesville. We just highlighted it. I don't have to talk about it. We'll be intrigued to find out what that spread officially comes out at. You got Castleton missing. Do the Wildcats have severe Wheeler and C.J. Frederick? I don't care. The Kentucky Wildcats are going down to Gainesville and grabbing another quad one victory, AJ. Love it, Sam. I mean, can't blame you for riding the Kentucky Wildcats right now. Definitely looking as good as they have all season long. I'm going to move to the weekend for my last two picks, Sam. And I mean, seems like every night there is a primetime matchup in the Big 12, doesn't it? But um, this one surely is one of the bigger ones. And we saw Baylor last weekend travel to Kansas in a primetime matchup. They played extremely well in the first half. One of the worst halves they've played all season in the second half. And they, they go from up 16 to losing by 20 in quite the turnaround But I like them this weekend, Sam. They welcome in the Texas Longhorns traveling to Baylor. Listen, Baylor is traveling to Kansas State this week as well. They're going to be coming off back-to-back trips on the road to Kansas and Kansas State. They're home for the first time in about a week and a half. And I like them in this game. I think those guards are absolutely elite when it comes to scoring the basketball, they can struggle in the defensive end at times, but I like their shot-making ability in this game to outscore Texas at home. So give me the Baylor Bears on Saturday over the Texas Longhorns. And then, Sam, a game that I will be waiting up for on Saturday night and am very intrigued to watch. But we're going to go out to the West Coast, and it is as big as it gets in the West Coast Conference when you talk about St. Mary's and Gonzaga. A couple weeks ago, Gonzaga traveled on the road to St. Mary's, and they got clipped, and they got beat out there. And so there's only one game left for each team in their conference after this game Saturday night. And so this is what it all comes down to, and it's on Gonzaga's home court. I've watched the St. Mary's team play a lot. They're very talented. They know how to play well with each other. The one thing that they have that's negative about them is they have a tendency to go on some spurts where they struggle to score at times. I think that can be a factor in this game in the fact that the crowd is going to stay in it the entire time for Gonzaga and propel them to victory. So give me Gonzaga late night on Saturday against St. Mary's to grab that W. So I'll take Baylor and Gonzaga. Sam, give me your last two picks and then we'll, uh, we'll move on to our SEC power rankings. Yes, so I will head back to the SEC, AJ. There are some great matchups throughout the rest of the week, but I will head to the latter of the week in the Saturday slate as Alabama plays host to Arkansas, which, look, y'all, I will tell you one thing and one thing only that you need to know about this matchup. 
the Alabama Crimson Tide are one of the only Power 5 conference teams that are still undefeated at home, AJ. They are not losing at home. They continue to take care of business and show why it is so important to hold serve within your conference play. I fully expect Alabama to take care of business and continue to find ways to win at home. Arkansas is desperate. They're looking for more opportunities to get right heading in to the end of the season. I just don't think it bodes well for Alabama bouncing back after question marks from last week and that tough loss on the road against Tennessee, AJ. They're going to get right. They're going to get two victories this week, one of which against Arkansas. And to finish out the week, AJ, I'm going to head to the latter half of the slate of Saturday's great matchups as Purdue plays host to their arch rival and the Indiana Hoosiers. Last time this game happened, Indiana took care of Purdue at home with a victory of 79-74. to AJ knocking off, at the time, the number one team in the country. Zach Eady finished with 33 points. They were still able to rally that home crowd and that atmosphere to get a victory behind Trace Jackson Davis's 25 points, AJ. I just think the script has flipped. Indiana's going into an extremely hostile environment. Purdue's hungrier than ever as they have finally got comfortable not being the number one team, slightly less hunted, and they are going to get a home victory and bounce right behind Zach Eady and most likely the National Player of the Year. Those are my picks, AJ. To recap, AJ, you got Texas A&M versus Tennessee, Northwestern at Illinois, Baylor versus Texas, and Gonzaga versus St. Mary's. I myself have Miami at Virginia Tech, Kentucky at Florida, Bama playing host to Arkansas, and Purdue playing host to Indiana. I'll see you at the end of the week. Hopefully I'm making up some ground. Yeah, hopefully we see each other at the pay window. Um one order of business left to get to, my friends. Uh, we are going to unveil what could be probably the last, maybe second to last, SEC basketball power rankings of the season, Sam. And I know we've done this periodically. We've kind of let some games play out in between each to get a good sample size and see where these teams sit. Um, we've normally started from the top and worked our way down. We're going to switch it up today. We're going to start from this bottom level. And the way we're going to do this is I'm just going to rattle off these teams in these tiers. And then uh, Sam's going to add a little insight onto what's going on with these teams. And we'll we'll get through them all here. And then we'll wrap things up and, and get out of here. But we've broken things down. We've kind of switched up the tiers. They haven't always been a specific amount just because of the way things have been this season. But we've broken things down into five tiers this time. So we'll start with this bottom tier, Sam. And I mean, LSU, they are by far the worst team in this conference, which I don't think a lot of people, including myself, really saw coming with the way they started. But this team has now not won a game in good God, I think, since uh, before New Year's was the last time they won a basketball game. And so they are completely reeling and have lost control of their season. Ole Miss down there at the bottom, they have two conference wins all season, one against South Carolina and one against 
Georgia, so they have not proven to do anything. And then South Carolina, I mean, literally the one bright spot of their season is beating the Kentucky Wildcats because outside of that, there really hasn't been a whole lot to cheer for. So Sam, anything to add about these teams? Shocked by it? Surprised by it? Anything like that? Or You know, honestly, the biggest shock is LSU. I have to agree with you there. Uh, You know, it's disappointing to see what they've been able to accomplish this year or the lack thereof. You know, 1-13 in in conference play is unacceptable. I will say, you're totally right, South Carolina's three conference wins, Kentucky and then the bottom two teams in the conference in Ole Miss and LSU, nothing to write home about. Uh, You know, we'll, we'll get to where Kentucky is in these rankings, but we've got to admit there's two games right now that we wish we could take back. South Carolina absolutely is the number one on that list. Yes, sir. And so we'll move on to tier four, Sam. We'll start with the um, bottom team and then work our way to the top team that we see in tier four. So when we look at the bottom of tier four, we're going to have to go to the Georgia Bulldogs really, um, not a great season. You've got to give Mike White some credit in coming over from Florida in his first season, and I'm sure he'll he'll have the Georgia Bulldogs playing some better basketball in the coming years, but still a little bit off. Um, had a decent season, but they're obviously on, on the outside looking in when it comes to the NCAA tournament. Won't be in postseason play, but have been able to find their way to a few nice wins this season. So that's the Georgia Bulldogs Um Anything you wanted to say about Georgia? I mean, we had a tough game with them. I mean, yeah, I, I would say that's another one that Kentucky wished to have back. But, you know, Mike White, despite struggling this year to find themselves above 500 in conference play, it's a team that is not going to be an easy out game in and game out. You have to give them some credit for that. But it's going to take some time for them to build their, you know, utopia, if you will down in Georgia. So, you know, give them another year or so, AJ, and I I know they're going to be in the mix in the SEC play, but unfortunately this year for them, it's just not quite enough. They still find themselves well on the outside out or on the outside looking in for the conference tournament. Yeah, Sam. And then when we look at the other teams in tier four, I'll kind of group these two teams together right now, but it's Mississippi state and Florida. And probably um, at one point in the season, there were, signs that potentially they could break through and be a team that found themselves on the bubble at the end of the season. And if they played well enough to find their way into the tournament, unfortunately just haven't been able to string together enough wins. Um, and really those two teams are, are teams who have kind of fallen victim to the Kentucky Wildcats in games where they were able to kind of get right and find some mojo. And so uh, unfortunately, you know, Florida with a brand new head coach and then now they lose Colin Castleton is you know, probably expected more this season, but again, both both programs that are looking up and have a lot to look forward to just unfortunately could not do enough this season to really put themselves into that conversation. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, Mississippi State's right there, AJ. They have quality wins. It just feels like every time they take a step forward, they're taking yet another, if not two steps backwards. Just seems like they can't keep momentum going in their favor. Florida, I, I mean, we, we can talk about them all we want, but this is a team that desperately needs Colin Castleton to do anything successfully this year. They just don't have enough firepower without him, and, and unfortunately, 
They lose him to a broken hand. Let's see what they can try to make waves as they enter into the end of the season and conference tournament. Yeah, Sam. And then when we look at the last team in tier four, and I, you know, I, I kind of wanted to bump them up to tier three, but it, it hasn't been for an extended period of time. But it's the Vanderbilt Commodores. And if you haven't been watching, they've been playing really good basketball as of late. Um, they're on a five game win streak right now for anybody who hasn't seen um, with a win over Tennessee in that. Sh- that stretches well. And listen, I tweeted this out on Saturday night because I was just thinking about a lot of things, but Vanderbilt got beat six games ago to the Alabama Crimson Tide, 101 to 44. They lost by 57 points. And after the game, their big man, um, I'm blanking on his name right now, tall white guy, um, uh, yeah, does, uh, Robbins. Yes, yeah, Liam Robbins. Thank you, Liam Sam. Robbins. Um, and he said that's not a reflection of who we are as a program. And ever since he made those comments, that team has won five games in a row. They have a matchup with Florida and LSU this week, and then they play Kentucky, and they could be on a seven-game win streak heading in to that game against Kentucky with a chance to really make a statement down the stretch of this SEC tournament. So Vanderbilt Commodores have really turned the corner and, and are starting to get some really consistent play, both from their guards and their big men. Um, this is a team that, that can be a little bit dangerous here down the stretch, Sam, so really starting to find their groove. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a tough decision. They, they very well could have bumped themselves up into that next class in the, you know, the third tier of the SEC AJ. Currently, as the standings have played out in the, the Southeastern Conference, they are tied for fifth place with Auburn with an eight and six in conference record. So, you know, they're right there. They are definitely on the outside looking in as far as the NCAA tournament goes. But like you said, five game win streak could easily enter into Rupp Arena as a seven game win streak and could maybe play themselves back in to that bubble watch come selection Sunday. So definitely a team that is trending in the right direction heading down the stretch of this year. Yeah. So Sam, that'll wrap up our, Tier four, we'll move to tier three, and we've got three teams in this tier right now. And honestly, Sam, I mean, if you want to go and try to take a chance to separate these teams from each other, go ahead. But it's it's a it's a hodgepodge right here, and we're talking about three teams in the Arkansas Razorbacks, the Missouri Tigers, and the Auburn Tigers. And when you look at Auburn, they have now lost four of five games and find themselves playing not great basketball at a really important time of the season. The Missouri Tigers have also found some chinks in their armor as they find themselves on a two-game losing streak, losing to Auburn and Texas A&M. Really nothing to extremely worry about, but I think there's been a few chinks in that armor. And then the Arkansas Razorbacks, Sam. Again, a team kind of like Mississippi State that you think takes one step forward, then takes one step back, hasn't found that consistent play for a long enough stretch in the season. And and all of these teams right now probably going to make the tournament, but could really do a lot to bolster their resume and get themselves in a better position in playing better basketball down the stretch to to try to make a run in, in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, separating these three teams is difficult. The one thing I will say, AJ, is despite Arkansas being kind of on the back end of that, sitting at 7-7 seven and seven as opposed to, uh, you know, Auburn at the top there at 8-6 and six, and then Missouri at 7-7 seven and seven as well. 
Arkansas is getting healthy. Nick Smith Jr. is back, AJ. He's arguably a top 10 lottery pick in the upcoming draft. He finally played substantial minutes against Florida as he played 32 minutes, AJ. He finished with 10 points. That's the first critical minutes that he's played in over a month. So, no, over two months. So, uh, you know, just hang tight with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Eric Musselman tends to find ways to get his teams motivated and ready going into conference tournament play and the NCAA tournament. So, you know, with his production coming out out of, you know, injury, who knows what they're going to be able to accomplish down the stretch. Yeah, definitely a team that is a little bit of a wild card there sitting there in tier three. And Sam, we're going to move to tier one or tier two. I'm sorry. There are three teams in this tier and Help me separate these teams out because I think if you were to look at it from a season-wide perspective, um, you're going to have Tennessee, Texas A&M, and Kentucky in here. And I think if you look from a season-wide perspective, you'd have to put the Tennessee Volunteers at the top of that tier. Um, But with the way these teams are playing now, Sam, I mean, Tennessee's got the win over Alabama recently, but Kentucky's beat them twice. Kentucky beat Texas A&M, but it was on their mm-hmm. own home court. A&M right. now finds themselves with only two losses in conference play and right behind Alabama for that number one seed in a potential regular season SEC title. It's kind of tough deciphering between these three teams, Sam, but if you were to ask me, yeah, Kentucky and Texas A&M are the two more dangerous teams heading down the stretch of this season. Am I wrong? Or am I right? No, I, I agree. I mean, if you want the statistics or the actual numbers here, the standings go Alabama 1, Texas A&M 2 at 12-2 and two in conference play, Kentucky at 3 at 9-5, and five, and Tennessee at 4 because Kentucky has the two head-to-head victories over Tennessee. However, you can make the argument anyway, but the way I see it, AJ, and the way the year has trended – I, I have to say, in this tier, it goes the Kentucky Wildcats, Texas A&M, then Tennessee. And you might be able to yell at me all day long, but I totally agree with you, AJ. The way the year is trending, I know that Tennessee is a top-10 team in the entire country. But you can honestly not look me in the face and say, I would rather see the Kentucky Wildcats or the Texas A&M Aggies over Tennessee right now, AJ. Nobody wants to see these teams. They play tough-nosed basketball. And I know Texas A&M only has two losses on the year in conference play, AJ. But I will say their schedule has been favorable for their record. That's all I will say. I'm not saying that yep. it's not good, but it has been favorable for their record and, and why they sit at 12-2. and Yeah, two. and they got some tough games down the stretch of this this season. So we'll see. Um, how for real they really are um, when they go up against the likes of Alabama and and things of that nature in Tennessee. But, Sam, when we look at Tier 1, it's the Alabama Crimson Tide, and I don't think that's breaking news to anybody. If anybody was paying attention, on Saturday the committee released their top 16 overall seeds with Alabama being the number one overall seed in the entire country. I mean, this team loses about once a month. And you really got to catch them on a bad day because you catch them on a good day, Sam. They're 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 
they're the most talented team in the country. And, and, Without I, a doubt. and I really don't have a problem saying that when you have a premier freshman like Brandon Miller to go along with all of the other contributing pieces on that team and a head coach like Nate Oates who knows how to get the most out of his team, you're really going to have to catch this team on a bad night to be able to beat them or, or perform way above expectation to beat them because they have really separated themselves as one of the top four teams in the entire country heading into March. Yeah, no, absolutely, AJ. I mean, don't get me wrong. When Alabama struggles, they struggle. And that's what good teams do, though, AJ. I got to be honest. When you're off, you're off. But like you said, it's a team that's maybe losing once a month to – to mostly high quality opponents and, and they're playing a extremely high level basketball. And, and I just don't think that there's any way that anyone can catch up to them. Even Texas A&M at this point, I know they sit at 12 and two. I just don't see Alabama slipping down the stretch in SEC play. Jay, they are sitting atop not only the SEC, but arguably as the best team in college basketball. Well, there you have it, folks. We've gone through our SEC basketball power rankings. We have given you eight college basketball picks for the week. We previewed the matchup between the Kentucky Wildcats and the Florida Gators, and we recapped and broke down the win from last weekend over the Tennessee Volunteers. Sam, that is everything. I think we did it in a timely fashion tonight because we had a lot to get to, but appreciate you and all your traveling and getting here tonight to be able to do this. We will be back later this week to break down the results down in Gainesville and then look forward to Kentucky's matchup this weekend. Sam, again, thank you for getting on here tonight. Thank you to everybody for listening. Check us out at alloutkentuckypodcast.com. Check us out on Twitter at AO Kentucky Pod. You can follow myself and Sam there on Twitter as well. Have a good night and go Cats. See y'all. There's only one thing left to say. Oh, C-A-T-S, Cats, Cats, Cats.